Psalm 62 is a song of confident trust. A song of confident trust. While the specific details of this psalm are unknown, it is clear that the psalmist, here noted as David in the superscription, is under a long-term attack. People are actively working to remove him from his throne with lies and curses. Many of them have appeared to be one thing, only to be revealed as something different. Truly, David is oppressed, and he looks to God for security. Today, many a believer can relate to David. At times, we are seemingly under oppression, sometimes even what appears to be constant oppression, whether it's from people or from circumstances. But like David, we too can find security in God. And when we find security in God, we will be able to sing this song of confident trust. Verses 1 through 4 presents us the salvation of God. As we consider this song of confident trust, we'll begin with verses 1 through 4, the salvation of God. My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will you assail me, a man, that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. Selah. David begins his meditation with a sense of peace, calmness. The opening clause, uh, my soul waits in silence for God only, can be translated or rendered this way, alone unto God in silence is my soul. Now that statement sets the scene of this entire psalm. Because throughout this psalm we are going to see a comparison between David's trust in God and the foolishness of trusting in people. Silence before God expresses an openness only to God. I'm sitting here before God and allowing Him to search me and know me. I'm allowing Him to examine me. I'm saying nothing. I'm just depending upon Him. Why? Because He is my salvation. That is my deliverance. Now verse 2 elaborates on the theme of salvation as an exclusive gift of God. He alone is my rock. A rock is a suggestion of protection or defense. And he is my salvation, my deliverance. This is an offense. So we see God is both our defense and our offense. Notice, again, he reiterates this in the next phrase um, when he uh, talks about the fact that uh, he is my stronghold, my high place, my fortress. David has a place of security with God. We see this same thought uh, spelled out uh, back in Psalm chapter 61. And David says, because he's secure in God, he will not be greatly moved. He sits silently before God, and he fills his mind with thoughts of God. He thinks on God as his defense, as his rock, as his fortress, as his stability in the midst of this great oppression. In verse 3 and 4, David contrasts his security with the insecurity of life. 
Uh, he pictures himself as someone under attack. Uh, he talks of how he, uh, of how these people pretend to come to him for advice, to come to him for counsel, all the while they are truly his enemies who are intending to destroy him. Uh, notice the, how verse 3 begins, how long will you assail a man? Or how long, David wants to know, are they going to continue to assail him? Uh, notice uh, the, the, they, that you may murder him, all of you. Now that verb, or that word for assail is the same word for attack, uh, it pictures the idea of rushing at someone with a raised fist. Uh, literally, they're running at him, their fists are raised, and they're ready to pounce on him and not just hit him, but literally murder him, kill him. Uh, that the word for murder here refers to an illegal murder. Okay, This is not an act of war or defense. This is a, a, a self-premeditated, illegal murder of another man. Notice how David depicts himself. He's like a leaning wall and tottering fence. Uh, that's how he pictures himself, uh, as being under attack. Uh, in other words, he, he's leaning. He's about ready to go down. He's tottering. He's swaying back and forth. He's ready to fall. And again, let's come back to that idea of how his attackers come. They can come pretending to ask for counsel or direction. But again, their only reason for truly coming to him is to cast him down from his throne. Uh, they delight in their lies. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly, they're cursing him. Reminds us of the Pharisees who were pleasant to Jesus' face, but inwardly, they were plotting to murder him. Verses 5 through 8. So we go from the salvation of God to the security of God. Verse 5 to 8. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Now, this stanza is similar to verse 1 and 2. Uh, the refrain is very similar, slightly modified. Uh, but rather than meditating on his soul's waiting for God, he addresses his soul, my soul waits silently. So verse, verse 1 through 4, he's talking to God. Now he's talking to himself. He's telling himself, okay, listen, just sit back and be still. Sit back and keep silent. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? You know, we're very quick to run to God, but then we're very quick to run our mouths. David's saying, just keep your mouth shut and wait on God. Because salvation doesn't come, deliverance doesn't come through him. Deliverance comes from God. And he confesses that his hope, his expectation is in God. Uh, again, contrast this with the fact that these people are trying to murder him. And, you know, here he is, you know, being oppressed uh basically identifying the fact that they're trying to murder him, and he's just going to sit there silently. How many of us would be doing something other than sitting there silently, meditating on God? The vast majority, if not all of us, would be trying to plot our own revenge or trying to scheme our way out of this situation. Not so with David, because God is his strength, his shelter, his steadfastness. And so David, again, uh, uses these similar words, rock, salvation, 
uh, fortress, refuge, to describe God. But notice the difference here from verse 2. I will not be moved. First of all, he was not going to be greatly moved. Now, listen, I'm not going to be moved at all. Verse 7 adds to the refrain, the words salvation and honor or glory are found only in God. You know, we cannot find deliverance in, in man. We cannot find true praise in man. We can only find that in God. And so based upon his experience of God's protecting him in the past, he's now exhorting the people. Folks, you all need to trust in God as well. You need to be secure in him at all times. And, and this is interesting because here he is as the king. He understands he's not only responsible for himself, but for the people under his care. And so he's commanding them, exhorting them, encouraging them. He's also meditating and praying not only for himself, but for his people. Not only are they to trust in God, but he also admonishes them to pour their hearts out before him, before God. The verb here, pour, describes the pouring out of water. It's, it, uh, the pouring out of their one's heart expresses the, uh, an emotion. Okay? Uh, you're, you're, you're pouring out everything that you're feeling, your, your angst, your anger, your anxiety. Uh, you're, you're pouring it out, you're uh, putting it before God. You're open, you're vulnerable before God. And that's what we need to be. Okay, We don't necessarily have to be open and vulnerable with everybody else, but we do need to be open and vulnerable with God. I mean, to, to be honest, God already knows. So why keep putting on a show? Why keep putting on uh, an appearance or an act? Just be yourself before a holy God. Uh, expose, be exposed before God for who you truly are. And then we come to verse 9 through 12, the sovereignty of God. Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rank are a lie. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression, do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart upon them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense a man according to his work. David takes a unique position here. This is a position you find in, especially in the Proverbs. He takes on the stance of a wisdom teacher. And that's why verses 9 through 12 have, have kind of a, a proverb feel to them. Uh, David here in verses 9 through 12 is reflecting on life's transitory nature. Uh, he talks about the men of low degree are only vanity or vain. They're empty. Uh, they're like breath. It's here for a moment and gone. Men of high degree are, are a lie. And basically, the, these uh, two groups here, men of low degree and men of rank, uh, basically you got the rich and the poor, uh, the weak and the strong, however you want to describe it, but basically he's using these two terms to describe all of humanity. And he does so in, with these polar opposites. You fall into one of two groups. You're either a man of a person of high degree or low degree. But at the end of the day, your life is short. Your life is empty. In fact, that's what he talks about when he says men of low degree, only vanity, only emptiness. And the same thing when he says men of rank or men of high degree are a lie. The word for lie here uh, is an empty profession. So again, it's parallel to the other statement. Uh, when we're weighed on the scale, regardless of our state or standing in life, uh, we're going to be less than a vapor. We're going to be emptiness. There's going to be nothing there. We're going to pass away. 
And so if we're trusting in worldly plans, it, it's a waste because it's empty. There's nothing to it. If we're trusting in worldly schemes and, and, and operations, it's worthless. Oppression or robbery are going to accomplish anything. Okay, listen, you think you can scheme and steal? It's not going to get you ahead. You think you can oppress other people? It's not going to get you ahead. You can increase in your riches all you want and you will have no security. In fact, you'll have insecurity. It is only when our heart is set on God that we will have anything lasting. David closes with a witness and a direct prayer. God has spoken not once but twice directly to him. And, you know, when God speaks, we need to listen. The word David receives is simple. Power belongs to God. Strength, might, power, whichever term you want to use here, it belongs to God and God alone. And so because of that great truth, David now prays uh, that, uh, verse 12, loving kindness is yours, O Lord. What a response. God reveals that all the power is his. He has the power, the strength, the ability to do what needs to be done, to deliver David from oppression, to take care of those who oppress him. And David's response to that revelation is to pray and declare that mercy belongs to the Lord. See, David understood that the only reason God acted on David's behalf was because of his loving kindness, his chesed, his mercy, his love for David. He closes, O Lord, you recompense a man according to his work. When people attack, when people deceive, when people oppress, when people rob, remember, God's got the power to deal with them. Thank God for mercy. And then listen, simply pray, Lord, deal with them according to their works. But let's make sure that we've dealt with ourselves. Let's God deal with us according to our works. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you that we can have confident trust in you to act on our behalf. Lord, we live in a sin-cursed world. There is oppression all around. And indeed, even now, we know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that are oppressed or under oppression from people, from places, from situations and circumstances. And so, Father, we pray for them. We lift them up. We pray that, Father, they could sit and in a moment of silence reflect on you. That, Father, they would seek you. That they would give up trying to scheme and, and plot and weasel ways in which to get back at their oppressor. But that they would cast themselves utterly upon you who are the merciful one. You who are the only one who can deliver them. And so, Father, we pray that you would do just that. That, Father God, you might come and deliver them. Lift them up, lift them out of, and deal with these ones who oppress your dear children. Deal with them according to their works. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.